Welcome, Merry Christmas. We're so glad you're all here joining us. This is our third service of the day, and you're welcome because usually this one would be absolutely packed, but we spread it out today. So we had a great service at two, a really good full service at four, and now you got some elbow room. So congratulations. It's a little more comfortable out there. We are going to have a great time tonight studying God's word together. And before we do that, I want to let you know if you're new here, maybe uh, this is your first time at this church. My name is Adam. I'm one of the pastors. So welcome. We're so glad that you are here. And also, if it would be helpful for you, and English is maybe not your first language, you can follow along in a lot of other languages if you want to by going to efree.org slash translate. So if there's another language that would be more helpful to you, you can read along in that language live as we go just by going to efree.org slash translate. I'm so glad you're here with us today as we celebrate the birth of Jesus. And I, I know you know the story. You've heard it before many times, how Joseph and Mary travel to Bethlehem because of the census and they go there, and Mary is very pregnant, ready to give birth, and so they're, they're walking around trying to find a place where they can stay, right? And there's no room for them, and they're knocking on all these doors, and no one will let them in. And they finally end up at a, an inn, a hotel, and there's no room in the inn, and so they have to go to this stable outdoors with the animals, and the only, only ones to keep them company are the cows and the sheep, and it is there that Mary gives birth to the baby Jesus. And then these angels show up to the shepherds and the shepherds come and they say hi and then they leave and they don't do anything to help them. And it's like, come on, why, why do the shepherds show up and they find them in these unsanitary conditions and they're just like, that looks good enough, we're gonna take off. And they go tell everybody what they, what they found, like the, the neighborhood gossips or something. It seems awfully strange to me, especially because we know back in this culture, in this society, they were very hospitable. In this part of the world today, they're still extremely hospitable. And so why would the shepherds just show up and take off and leave them in those conditions? I remember watching a cartoon once that depicted the, the birth of Jesus and Joseph walking around 
that night, knocking on doors, and the doors slamming shut in his face, just to emphasize the point that no one would offer them room anywhere. And then he gets to this one door, and there's a sign above it that says, in, and the owner comes out and explains, we have no room for you. And he won't even allow him to hang out in the lobby. And he points down the road at a, a rickety old shack stable outside that they can go spend the night in if they want to. And it just seems like Mary and Joseph came to the most inhospitable village in the world. And she's about to give birth. It's like, wouldn't common decency say you're going to do something to help these people? And this is Bethlehem. This is where they have family, right? Wouldn't family, that's why they're there for the census to go back with their origin, they'd have extended family. Why wouldn't they be caring for them? It's always seemed so strange to me. And today, I want to share with you the truth about the story of Jesus being born in Bethlehem. What really happened? How did it all go down? And I want to do it through the eyes of the shepherds. So we're going to look at the shepherds tonight, and we're going to try to see this whole story through their eyes, from their perspective, and understand what really happened at the birth of Jesus. Some of this may be new to you. Some of you may have have heard this before. But we're going to be in the book of Luke chapter 2. So if you want to follow along, you can turn to Luke chapter 2, and we'll also put the verses on the screen so you can read along with us there. Luke chapter 2 Starting in verse 1, at that time, the Roman Emperor Augustus decreed that a census should be taken throughout the Roman Empire. This was the first census taken when Quirinius was governor of Syria. All returned to their own ancestral towns to register for this census. And because Joseph was a descendant of King David, he had to go to Bethlehem in Judea, David's ancient home. He traveled there from the village of Nazareth in Galilee. He took with him Mary, to whom he was engaged, who was now expecting a child. And while they were there, the time came for her baby to be born. She gave birth to her firstborn son. She wrapped him snugly in strips of cloth and laid him in a manger, because there was no lodging available for them. That night, there were shepherds staying in the fields nearby, guarding their flocks of sheep. Suddenly... An angel of the Lord appeared among them, and the radiance of the Lord's glory surrounded them. They were terrified. But the angel reassured them, don't be afraid. He said, I bring you good news that will bring great joy to all people. The Savior, yes, the Messiah, the Lord, has been born today in Bethlehem, the city of David. And you will recognize him by this sign. You will find a baby wrapped snugly in strips of cloth, lying in a manger. Suddenly... The angel was joined by a vast host of others, the armies of heaven, praising God and saying, glory to God in the highest and peace on earth to those with whom God is pleased. When the angels had returned to heaven, the shepherds said to each other, let's go to Bethlehem. Let's see this thing that has happened, which the Lord has told us about. They hurried to the village and found Mary and Joseph, and there was the baby lying in the manger. After seeing him, The shepherds told everyone what had happened and what the angel had said to them about this child. All who heard the shepherd's story were astonished. But Mary kept all these things in her heart and thought about them often. The shepherds went back to their flocks, glorifying and praising God for all they had seen, heard and seen. It was just as the angel had told them. Let me ask you to just bow your head for a minute as we pray and ask God to bless our time studying his word today. Heavenly Father, thank you for sending your son Jesus to this earth to live as one of us, 
to be an example for us to die for us, to pay our penalty for our sins so that we can have a relationship with you, so that we can know you, so that we can be with you. Lord, thank you for everything you have done for us. And we remember that this time of year. We really should remember it throughout the year, how you came so that you could rescue us because we could not go to you. You came to us. So Lord, as we study your word tonight, I pray that you would reveal to us the hope that we need to have in you and how that should impact our lives today. And it's in Jesus' name we pray, amen. Well, I need you to understand something about these shepherds, okay? Shepherds are not the cleanliest of individuals. And, and I apologize if you are a shepherd, okay? You, you have something that the shepherds 2,000 years ago did not, which is a shower, These are guys that spend a lot of their time in the fields with their animals, and so they kind of smelled like them. They're a little bit smelly, they're a little bit dirty, they're not exactly the ideal members of society. The general sentiment among the Jewish people was, don't let your babies grow up to be shepherds. And, And I mean that quite literally, not long after this, there were lists of professions to avoid put together by rabbis and shepherds were on those lists. You should not be a shepherd if you want to be a respectful, respectable person in society. Most of the people viewed shepherds as being kind of at the bottom of the food chain. They they weren't the type of people you invited to your dinner parties or you really wanted to show up to things. And they spent all their time with animals, so, you know, maybe their social skills weren't as good either. They're used to talking to sheep, you know? And so these are not the types of people that you would expect to find being the first ones to learn about the Messiah, about the arrival of Jesus. You just don't expect that for the shepherds. These are the, this is the profession that if you're a parent you, you, and you could, you would try to give your kid a good education so they didn't become a shepherd. If you were a shepherd, it's because your family couldn't afford a better education or couldn't manage to apprentice you to a better line of work. Maybe your father and your grandfather was a shepherd and you're just kind of carrying on that family tradition. But it's not considered a very high class thing to do in this society. But these are the people who God chooses to first reveal the coming of his Messiah to. And that's significant. I mean, shepherds? Really? Shepherds, God. Those are the people that you're first going to tell about one of the greatest events to happen in human history. It seems kind of amazing. But unless you understand the lowliness of the shepherds, unless you can appreciate this humble profession and the low status that these people had, you're going to miss the significance of everything that comes next. In fact, a lot of the the details and the things that you know about the Christmas story are all tied into shepherding and this status of the shepherds. So Luke says in chapter 2, verse 8, that night there were shepherds staying in the fields nearby guarding their flocks of sheep. And that's what the shepherds do, right? That's why they're so dirty and smelly, because they're hanging out with their sheep. Suddenly, out of nowhere, an angel of the Lord appeared among them. Now, this angel of the Lord was probably the same angel of the Lord that appeared to Zechariah and Mary, who was identified in those passages as Gabriel. So it's probably Gabriel again here. And the radiance of the Lord's glory surrounded them. They were terrified. Now, pause right there, because... You need to bear in mind that 
These people have never seen anything involving electricity other than lightning. They are not aware of of big lights, spotlights. They don't have flashlights, they have torches. And I know if you're from the UK, that means the same thing. This is a stick with, with, uh, with fabric wrapped on it, you know, lit on fire. And they don't have floodlights. You probably have floodlights outside of your house. They might even be motion activated when you walk by. 1,300 lumens just boom, shine right on you. Nobody thinks anything of it. These guys have never seen anything like that. They have this and different versions of this. This is a Herodian lamp. It's a clay Herodian lamp. This one is actually 2,000 years old. And it's been used. Uh, It has the, the burn marks on it. And something like this is what the shepherds and other people back then would use for light, especially the shepherds. A little one like this would be perfect for them. And in a a Jewish home, an average Jewish home, you'd have one big room, and in that room, you'd have a stand, and you'd take a lamp like this, or if you were a little wealthier, a bigger one, and you would put it on the stand, and that would give a little bit of light to the house so that you could kind of get your things settled for the night and finish up. Something like this can produce around 8, 10 lumens of light. It's not a lot of light. It's just a little bit of light. Some of them could do more if they're a little bit bigger. For comparison, your household bulbs probably put out about 800 lumens of light, okay? And your floodlights are like 12 to 1,300 lumens of light. So this is not uh, a light, Uh, not a lot of light for, for them. So what happens when all of the sudden... These shepherds are surrounded by the radiating glory of the Lord. Just a massive amount of light, I have to imagine, comes out of nowhere. And they don't even know that kind of lighting technology can exist. You and I, if we were out in the fields in the middle of nowhere, and we were walking along, and suddenly this giant spotlight just shone down on us from above, we would all know what to think. We're about to be abducted by aliens. We've learned this from the movies, but they had not seen those movies. And so as far as they were concerned, this is a very, very terrifying, strange thing. They don't know what to make of it. They don't have a box to put this in. It's just this crazy, incredible light, and they're terrified. But the neat thing about it is because it is so overwhelming, none of them can pretend they didn't see it. You know, none of them can be like, I don't know what Joe's talking about, folks. He's crazy. I didn't see anything like that. They, they all saw it. They couldn't ignore it. This was a big enough thing that every single one of them out there was like, oh my goodness, this is a crazy amount of light that's all around us. The glory of the Lord radiating all around us, surrounding us. And so they're terrified. And then the angel says the same thing to them that he said to Mary and Zechariah and to Joseph. He says, don't be afraid. I bring you good news that will bring great joy to all people. The Savior, yes, the Messiah, the Lord, has been born today in Bethlehem the city of David. And this is the moment, this is the moment that everybody in Israel has been waiting for the Messiah to come along. Other people have come who claim to be the Messiah or people thought they were the Messiah and they led revolts against Rome and they failed. None of the other Messiahs had an angelic announcement like this. And this is an amazing announcement. This is incredible. But what's going to follow is even more amazing, particularly to these shepherds of lowly status. In verse 12, the angel says, you will recognize him by this sign. You will find a baby wrapped snugly in strips of cloth lying in a manger. And here's what's so cool about that. That's an invitation 
You will find him. You will recognize him. You will see him. They're saying you get to go see the Messiah in person. And in case you're not familiar with ancient shepherding culture, these guys did not get invited to a lot of formal occasions. These are not the people that were on the list for the dignitaries when they had their events at their houses. These were guys that would be stopped at the gate. I'm sorry, this is no shepherds allowed. You do the smell test and no, you're not allowed in. So for these guys to be invited to go see the Messiah, this is a really big deal. And they're probably thinking when they hear, you will recognize him, you will find him, they're thinking, yeah, right, we won't get anywhere near him because he's gonna be in the governor's mansion. He's gonna be in some wealthy home. He's gonna be somewhere incredible. This is the Messiah we're talking about here. You think they're going to let us get anywhere near the Messiah? We're shepherds. Of course not. And that is why the angel says this. You will find a baby wrapped snugly in strips of cloth, lying in a manger. And you know what's so cool about this? This is not how the wealthy cared for their babies. Not at all. This is exactly how poor shepherds cared for their babies. They didn't have fancy, boutique, frilly outfits to put their little kids in. They didn't have nice cribs to put their kids in. They had what was lying around. They didn't have a lot of disposable income. So strips of cloth wrapped around the child to keep them warm. It, it might not be much, but it does the, the job. And lying in a manger, you'll find the baby lying in a manger. This communicated something to these shepherds. It communicated that this baby was not in a beautiful crib that a wealthy family might have. This is a feeding trough used for feeding animals indoors. And so they knew from this that this was a house that they could go into. This was a place they could go into. And I need to stop for a minute and talk to you about the stable, okay? We just need to have a heart-to-heart about the stable. There was no stable. Okay, take a deep breath. Your nativity set will be okay. (laughs) But it's been lying to you all this time. There was no stable. That did not happen in the story of Jesus. Average Jewish homes had one big room. Not the wealthy ones, but your average Jewish home had one big room. And there were two sections to this big room. One part was the family part, and this is where they slept. It's where that lamp stand would go, and the lamp would be put on it, and the beds would be around the outside, the kind of mats that they would lay on. They didn't do much in this room. Most everything they did was outside. They came inside if the weather was bad or if they needed to sleep. And they came inside. And then there's a lower part of the house, typically, two or three steps down. I've, I've been in these in, in Israel that have been excavated. And you go down the steps, and that's where the animals would be kept on the other side of a movable gate. And at night, they would bring in the animals to keep them safe from animal attacks or theft. And so they bring the animals into the lower portion, and they put the gate down, and they sleep in the upper portion. And there's a manger over there to feed the animals so that they don't make noise during the night and wake you up. Hospitality was so important to these people that if they had a second room on their house, it was a bonus room for guests. So you have one big room and then you might have an extra room with a separate entrance outside that was the guest room. And it could be next to the main family room or it could be above on a second story depending on the the layout of the city and how much room there was available. They have this second room for guests. Now, when Luke says in verse seven, there was no lodging available for them. 
Or some versions incorrectly translate this as there was no room in the inn, which is completely wrong. That word does not mean inn. It does not mean hotel. There's another word for that. Jesus uses it when he's talking about the good Samaritan who who takes the injured man to a hotel. That's the word for hotel there or inn. Here, this is not an inn. This word has nothing to do with an inn or hotel. That's just a mistranslation. This word refers to a guest room. And so what's going on here is that Mary and Joseph have traveled to Bethlehem to stay with extended family. They expect to have hospitality when they arrive. That's a cultural norm. Of course, they're going to have that. But unfortunately, their cell phone batteries had died and they couldn't call ahead to get dibs on that guest room. And so when they show up, another family has beaten them to it. They're already in the guest room, probably sleeping. And so there's no room for them in the guest room. And what does the host family do? They do not kick them out to go down the street in some sort of outdoor stable. They welcome them into their family room. They do the best that they can. They set them up in there where it's warm, it's safe, and she'll be able to have the baby there. And they go down to the animal section and they take the manger away from the animals and they bring it inside so that at least it will keep the baby off the floor. And this is the environment that the baby Jesus was born into. When the shepherds hear that they will find the baby wrapped in in cloths like they would do, and in a manger, what that tells them is, this is a house like ours. This is a house of average or lower income where people bring animals inside at night because they have a manger inside where this baby is being laid. And that means, that means we will be welcome. We won't be turned away. We actually could legitimately go see this baby that the angel is telling us about because it's gonna be a home like ours and they're not gonna turn away smelly shepherds from seeing this baby or at least we have a chance. So the angels deliver this message to the shepherds and reassure them with this sign and tell them enough that they know we are gonna be able to go see this baby. And then suddenly the angel was joined by a vast host of others, the armies of heaven praising God and saying, glory to God in the highest and peace on earth to those with whom God is pleased. Just in case the shepherds did not know how big of a deal this was from the one angel and the glory of God radiating around them, the the host of armies of heaven, all the angels show up and, and do this incredible production number in front of them. I don't know if there was singing. I don't know if there was choreography. I have to imagine that they rehearsed it. I mean, these are, these are angels. These aren't divine beings. I think they probably practiced this number. This was a big deal for them. Can you imagine that? Like a dress rehearsal for the angels and they show up and they do this number for the shepherds and then verse 15 says, when the angels had returned to heaven, the shepherds said to each other, let's go to Bethlehem. Let's see this thing that has happened which the Lord has told us about. And as they enter Bethlehem, they know where to go. Not to the governor's mansion, not to the wealthy part of town. They go to the average homes, the smaller homes, the one-room homes, because they have been told the type of place that they need to go, and they know that they'll be welcome there, and they're familiar with that area, and that's comfortable to them. And so they go to find the baby Jesus. They hurried to the village and found Mary and Joseph, and there was the baby lying in the manger. After seeing him, the shepherds told everyone what had happened 
and what the angel had said to them about this child. And no, I want you to notice something very important here. The shepherds show up and they leave and they go tell everyone and they didn't do something. They did not relocate the family. See, in this society, in this culture, the honor of the whole community rested on how they treated guests. That was so, so, so important to them. If these shepherds had shown up to some sort of outdoor, rickety, stable, kind of exposed to the elements and no one was there to help them and they're just left to fend for themselves, the shepherds would have had to say, please come to our house. Our wives will take care of you. We will give you some hospitality. The honor of that community rested on what these guys did when they found this family with no one helping them. But see, that's not what they found. What they found was a one-room home with a manger brought over from the lower part with the animals and the baby Jesus and Mary cared for by likely extended family. And so the shepherds left, knowing that they could do no better. It wasn't luxury, but it was warm and it was safe. And so they leave with nothing but a story to tell. And boy, do they tell it. They tell everyone who will listen. They go all over the place. They probably ran home and told their wives. And then they went around Bethlehem telling whoever would listen. The sun's coming up now. And so they're finding people who are going about their their work and getting ready for the day. And they're telling them all about everything that happened to them. Everything that happened last night. And if it was just one shepherd, it would be easy for people to say, you know, maybe he left something in his flask a little too long. Like, "Eh, that guy, we're not so sure about him. But this was all of them, and they all had the same story. They all shared what happened to them and what the angel said. And then all who heard the shepherd's story were astonished. But not just because of the experience of the shepherds. That was cool. But because of what they shared, the angel had told them. Luke says they told everyone what happened and what the angel said to them about this child. So what did the angel say about this child? Well, he said that his coming was good news that would bring joy to all people. That he was the promised Messiah, the Savior. And that this baby would bring glory to God and peace on earth. What the shepherds got that day was hope like they had never experienced before. The hope of divine joy, of peace on earth, of salvation from a Messiah, and it was a contagious hope. They just had to tell everyone. They had to go and and share this with as many people as possible because they couldn't keep quiet about what they had experienced. And their lives were never the same again. The shepherds went back to their flocks, verse 20 glorifying and praising God for all they had heard and seen. It was just as the angel had told them. We're getting ready to celebrate the birth of Jesus tomorrow. It's the culmination of, a, of an incredible several-week season that we call Christmas shopping. I mean, Advent. <laughs> and as we build up to this day, a day that exists so that we can Remember the birth of Jesus. I want to ask you, do you have the same response to the coming of Jesus that the shepherds did? Do you have the same reaction, that contagious hope that you just want to share with people? Look at what Jesus has done for me. They couldn't keep it to themselves. So how can we, as we prepare to celebrate the birth of Jesus tomorrow, let's not forget 
that there were people 2,000 years ago that just upon learning that this baby had come into the world went and told everybody about it. It was a contagious hope and joy that they had. And that is something for us to learn from. But there's another thing that's important to realize here. It's no small thing that God chose to bring this message first of Jesus' arrival to these shepherds, these lowly shepherds. And it foreshadows something that Jesus would say later on in his ministry when he said, I have not come for the healthy, I've come for the sick. The message that Luke and the other gospel authors and that God is trying to communicate to us through this whole narrative is he's not just here for the high class people. He's not just here for the high status people. He's not just here for the wealthy people. He's here for everyone. He's here for everyone no matter what you've done, no matter what your background is, no matter what your profession is, no matter what high school you went to. Yeah, I know about that. He's here for everyone. Jesus came for everyone. It does not matter what your background is or what you have done. He wants to have a relationship with you. And so here's an action point for you. There may be some people here today who do not have a relationship with Jesus. They don't know what it's like to have that contagious hope and that joy that absolutely changes your life. And I will tell you for myself and on behalf of everyone you've seen on stage today, Jesus is the difference in our lives. He is the difference. We are broken, messed up people, but Jesus is the difference for us. And so we have hope, just like the shepherds did. And we love sharing that with people. And so if that's you and you want to learn more about a relationship with Jesus, you are welcome to come up after this service and ask questions and learn more about what it means to have a relationship with Jesus Christ. We would love to share with you the difference he has made in our lives and how you can have the same kind of hope and joy and peace that Jesus provides. Let me close in prayer. Jesus, thank you for coming to this earth. Thank you for making such a difference in my life and the lives of so many other people who are here today, who are watching online right now. And as we prepare for tomorrow and celebrating your birth, and of course there'll be presents and lots of food and all sorts of fun things we get to do, Please help us to remember the hope of the shepherds, the hope of this little baby coming into the world who would provide rescue for people, salvation from sin, from an eternity without you, God. And Lord, help us to share that hope with other people, that contagious hope. Help us to never forget the impact that you have on our lives. We pray this in Jesus' name, amen.